Hi everyone and welcome back to Risk and Regulation Rundown, the monthly podcast where we discuss the latest risk and regulatory developments affecting our industry, some insights from our work with clients and our perspective on industry talking points. I'm Sarah Eisted, your regular host, and this month I'm delighted to be joined by Sarah Neald and Connor McManus to talk about vulnerable customers and to look ahead to the regulatory agenda for 2020 and beyond. So let's start with vulnerable customers. Uh, I'm joined by Sarah Neald, a PwC director who works with many of our clients on this topic, particularly in the consumer credit space. And Sarah, the issue of vulnerable customers is something that the FCA has been focused on for some time, um, but they seem to have upped their game this year in terms of talking about it. Can you tell us about the story so far? Absolutely. Um, so it has long been an area of focus for the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, pretty much every year since they came into uh, being, um, they've done some research or a thematic review or issued an occasional paper. Um, and many of their recent pricing interventions or other forms of interve interventions have tried to level the playing field for vulnerable customers. Um, so, for example, uh, in the cost of overdraft or managing persistent debt and credit cards. Um, and then most recently, in July 2019, um, they issued some more guidance um, for firms on the expected standards for identification and treatment of vulnerable customers, um, recognising that firms still find it a really complex um, area to navigate um, and that they would benefit from uh, some good and poor practice examples. And I know from talking to a number of my clients that that guidance paper was really important uh, for firms and they found it very valuable. So can you give us a bit more insight into what was in that paper? Yeah, so they covered three main areas. They covered um, understanding the needs of vulnerable customers, um, ensuring that staff have the right skills and capabilities um, and translating that understanding into practical action. Um, at this stage, it is merely guidance and the FCA have asked for feedback um, from the market to ensure that it's covering the right areas, that firms do indeed now know what they need to do. Um, and they've also asked for, for feedback from wider stakeholders in terms of whether more interventions or rules and regulations are required. So the, the feedback period is closed. It closed back in October. They're now reviewing all of that feedback from the market. Um, and we expect in the first half of 2020 that they'll come out um, either with more guidance or perhaps a consultation if they decide more rules are needed. Okay. And so clearly just from what you've touched upon there, um, there's a huge amount for firms to unpick um, to see what's relevant for them and how they should respond. What do you think the most challenging area is going to be for firms? Yeah. Um, in my opinion, I think the hardest thing for firms um, is just to deal with the sheer variety um, of situations and circumstances that uh, affect consumers. Um, the FCA have defined vulnerability in its widest possible sense. Um, it can often be transient. Uh, it includes um, things like low financial resilience and capability, and they might be harder things for firms to spot um, other than kind of health and, um, and life events. So ways in which these vulnerabilities can cause harm can also vary, and that depends on the customer, but also the way that the firm is set up and, and structured. I think it's worth saying as well, I think this is a much more common issue than you might expect. I remember there was a survey from the FCA in 2017 which uh, estimated around 50% of people um, could potentially be identified as vulnerable customers, which is perhaps much higher than you might initially expect. Yeah. 
Thanks, Connor. I know that that statistic um, uh, caused a great deal of interest in the industry, but also outside the industry, actually, in terms of people understanding how many of us all could be vulnerable at some points in our lives. So, Sarah, given that, what can firms be practically doing? Yeah. Uh, firms are already doing quite a lot, and um, I've seen some really great examples of firms going above and beyond to support vulnerable customers. Um, for example, training to spot coercion in equity release mortgages, um, or putting in place specific vulnerable customer help desks. Um, but there's also still a lot of poor practice out there um, where customers have to continually repeat their circumstances, um, where staff don't feel empowered to, um, to help customers with quite reasonable requests, um, and hence customers experiencing quite significant delays in um, receiving some tailored treatment. Um, I believe that firms need to design products and services and establish key alliances with other organisations that assume vulnerability from day one. Um, processes should be capable of treating um, customers fairly in their most vulnerable moments as standard. So for example, firms who are lending into retirement or into later ages could consider signposting um, at the point of sale the ability to set up an authorised third party um, on the account in case the customer needs it in the future. Um, and signposting all forms of support clearly and giving customers more opportunity to disclose their circumstances would benefit customers. And so can you bring that to life for us? So what would that mean for customers, you know, in reality? Yeah, I think we know that customers find it difficult to discuss their circumstances with financial services providers. So considering how you might give them support at times when they're finding it easier and earlier in the process potentially um, could really take away that kind of harm um, and that reluctance to engage with financial services providers when it's really needed. Brilliant. No, that's great. And, and I assume with a number of these changes, you know, staff are going to have to be trained in a different way. Yeah. So, so what do you think needs to be, needs to be the focus there? Yeah. So frontline staff are that first point of contact um, with customers. Um, so they're really important. Um, and we know that they often don't feel empowered or if the firm does have tools, um, they don't feel that they know what they are and that they're able to use them. Um, so we are starting to see um, uh, different forms of training come in, using charities, for example, to support that training. But also this is an area where we're starting to see technology helping. So providing little nudges to those frontline staff to remind them to probe and ask questions of customers to really help them get to the right outcome. Brilliant. And, and it might be clear, you know, the benefits that consumers will get from these changes. But what are the benefits that the firms themselves get as well? Yeah, I think the positives, like you say, for consumers are really clear. Um, they should get a better, more personalised experience and a better customer outcome. Um, and for firms, it might be a little bit harder initially um, to see the benefits, but I do think there are some. Um, I think they would benefit from improved trust from their consumers. There's a lot um, of market, uh, sorry, press coverage when this goes wrong. Um, so better retention of customers, better retention of their staff who feel happier and more empowered um, to treat customers fairly will be, uh, will be benefits. Um, and arguably there'll be efficiencies through, through things like lower complaint levels as well. Um, 
So, you know, in the wider context, if firms are treating all customers fairly, um, including their vulnerable customers, and achieving good outcomes for them, um, they should really be meeting the regulator's expectations in other areas, such as having a really strong culture. Brilliant. Thank you, Sarah. Um, and that brings us nicely onto our next topic of the future regulatory agenda. And so I'm joined now by Connor McManus, who's a director in our financial services regulatory insights team. And Connor, can I start with getting your thoughts on that last point from Sarah? So are firms that focus on outcomes um, well placed um, for the regulatory agenda of the future? Well, I think the first thing to say is that we're speaking before the election, so that might have a, a, an impact on, on where things go. But as it stands, I think, yes, uh, I think it is likely that we'll be moving towards a more outcomes or principles-based approach to regulation uh, in the UK. This is certainly something that both the CEOs of the FCA but also the PRA have talked about uh, recently. And there seems to be a desire from them to move away from the very granular rules-based approach which characterises the EU framework into something a little bit less prescriptive and a bit more principles-based. And so if we were to move to a more principles-based um, approach to regulation, what would that mean you know, practically for firms? Well, just give an example of a, a recent big regulatory change, which is, is MIFID II, something that caused a lot of um, uh, challenges acro across the sector to implement. Um, and talking, looking in the, uh, the, across the international sphere, um, possibly one of the countries with the most principles-based approach to regulation is, is Switzerland. And their, um, their equivalent of MIFID II, which isn't a direct equivalent, but is the closest that they have, runs to around 75 pages. Now, MIFID II, uh, including all of the technical standards, will run into the thousands of pages. So clearly dealing with 75 pages is a lot less onerous, uh, it's a lot less complicated, which are all good things, um, but that principles-based approach just provides a lot less guidance and clarity for firms. So I think if we do move towards a more principles-based approach to regulation in the UK, one of the big challenges will be for firms to apply judgment of what they need to do to comply, not just the, with the letter, but also the spirit of the regulation. And, and Sarah, if I can bring you back in here, when you were talking about vulnerability and how that might be defined, um, what are some of the um, challenges, or, or is it creating challenges for firms if they need to interpret what vulnerability means? I think that does have challenges in that there's a lot of judgment required, but I think vulnerability is a great example of an area where um, a rules-based approach is highly unlikely to work. Um, just the sheer variety of circumstances and scenarios mean that that judgment and applying um, those principles to uh, individual customer circumstances to support individuals um, has got to be the right way to go. Yeah. Great. And, and Connor, um, uh, we hear a lot about Brexit, but I, but I understand that it's not just Brexit that is prompting the regulators to, to potentially rethink how they're developing uh, regulation. So what are some of the other factors that you think are at play here? Well, look, clearly the financial services sector is going through a period of quite profound change at the moment. You know, a lot of this has been driven by innovation, by technology. But I think we're just seeing a fundamental shift in the expectations of customers, which is really shaping the sector. And I think policymakers in the UK are, are really starting to respond to that. Um, so we've, we have, we're seeing increasingly uh, a, more of a focus on technology, whether that be uh, 
firms using AI or machine learning and what the implications for financial stability and customers might be from that. And also, I think, a renewed focus from the regulators on issues which are of societal priority. So, for example, climate change, but also diversity and inclusion. And I'd absolutely agree with that. Um, I was with a, a large bank uh, last week uh, running a session on looking at the future regulatory agenda and some of those societal issues such as climate risk, diversity, etc. came up heavily in that discussion. So, so bringing it back to the immediate future, what do you think some of the key initiatives and themes will be on the regulatory agenda in 2020? Well, I think, you know, clearly Brexit will have a big role to play here and depending on, on where we land in, in the negotiations. But despite that, the regulators are, are definitely not standing still and we're expecting a lot from them next year. So, for example, uh, operational resilience will certainly be a, a, a key theme. We're also going to see, I think, a renewed focus on priorities like the transition away from, from LIBOR. Uh, regulatory reporting is being scrutinised very heavily at, at the moment. You know, we've heard about um, the importance that they're placing on, on vulnerable customers. They've also got, I think, a very ambitious agenda themselves in the reg tech space. And I think we'll hear more from them in, on their plans in, the, in this area next year, particularly around uh, the way in which they collect data from firms and how they analyze it. I think it's also important not to forget that there's still a lot of regulation which needs to be implemented, you know, particularly for banks in, in the prudential space, which will be particularly challenging. And there's also a process, an ongoing process of reviewing the many different regulations which have come into force uh, since the financial crisis. So we might see that the regulators at a national or international level um, take a second look at some of the things which have come into force. Brilliant. Thank you. So, so no letting up on the regulatory agenda. Right. So we'll have lots to talk about in our podcast for the next year. Um, and it sounds like um, 2020 will continue to be a very busy year uh, for the industry. So that's all we've got time for um, this month. Thank you very much to Sarah and to Connor um, for a fascinating discussion. Um, please don't forget to subscribe to, rate and review our podcast. Um, and we'll be back with our next episode in the new year. Um, and in the meantime, I hope you all have a relaxing break over the holiday period. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.